It's funny, it's intelligent, and it's incredibly vivid. IGN.com Psychonauts A psychic adventure from the mind of Tim Schafer. Telekinesis, clairvoyance, and pyrokinesis makes the brain the ultimate weapon. Now Psychonauts makes the brain the ultimate battlefield in a twisted adventure through the beautifully demented minds of misfits, monsters, and madmen. Rated team, cartoon violence, crude humor, language. Welcome to our listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random, 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 random banter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Psycho killer. Kiss kisse. Va, 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 Run, run, run. Run away. I got to the psycho killer. I was like, I know this song. This is psycho killer. It wasn't until I just sang it right then that I realized, oh, that's where the runaway comes in. That's right. It's another random banter replacement of the word runaways because I am predictable like that, if anything. But why else might I have picked this song to parody for our intro? Because they think that he is a psycho killer. And we have also got Darkhawk, who's a psycho killer. And we've also got, well, potentially a psycho killer who is also the father of one of the guys we think is a psycho killer. Yeah. Also, who sang that song, Psycho Killer? Oh, the Bobs. Because no, I know the acapella card. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the Bobs. It is Talking Heads. That's right. Talking Heads. Talking Heads. All right. All right. Okay. And why might I have picked Talking Heads for this? Because it's a lot of talking in this one. It's a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking. Heads it is. In this it one. really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of bringing pictures of heads up and, and, and talking yeah. about them. So, yeah, so we're go. talking about heads. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Good job. And it I, it kills me that I I just forgot that it was talking heads. I should it know happens. that. I know. People forget things all the time. Stuff <sighs> stuff that I know that is deeply ingrained in my soul. Where people go, Hey, what's this thing? And I'm like, Yeah. It's only what I've lived around for 24 years. Speaking of things that you forget get and things that you try to remember i have recently the past week or so become addicted to a little game online that everybody else in the world's addicted to and i saw today that you were addicted to that people forget about words but we're all playing mm-hmm. wordle now because that's the yep. thing yep i got hooked up on the old wordle chain today and i see the appeal and i don't think i've ever sweated so hard for the word robot before in my life and we aren't spoiling anything because we are doing no, this because this it's... is like a few weeks after this is gonna be many weeks after the this actually came out for, for the day if you want to go back and figure out when war when robot was the wordle of the day the way i set up mine today for the for robot was like I had nothing, and I had a couple, and I put those in the spot. I was going, this this doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm not getting what word is like. What word What word has R and O in it and ends with a T? Missing Same. some of these letters that I've got. Yep. My thing was, I saw you post up, and you, you go, you go, duh. Yeah. And I'm like, I bet the word is power. <laughs> okay. So I started with the word power. And... Uh, <laughs> worked from there but i was like it's not power oh, i wanted to be a one out of six and then just post it up and go what, hey, what's the problem aren't there? i cool what's the nothing <laughs> and then instead i'm like it wasn't that word darn it <laughs> uh uh er. it's gonna start with the r uh <laughs> i like the one where our good friend gary who works in the uh, solar panel industry the one day that he had the hardest time playing Wordle, the word was solar. And he was so <laughs> angry with himself. <laughs> yeah, I saw him post up of that and I'm like, enough. You know, that, what, 
What more could it be? Solar makes yeah, perfect yeah, sense since yeah. he works at a solar place. Yep. yep. It's, fun. it's fun. It's silly. I like how it's kind of a zeitgeist kind of community-based sort of, oh, everybody can do it. And it's just one, so it's not a very big time sink. It's like, you get six chances to guess a five-letter word. Yeah. Done. Yep. That's fun. That's fun. It's fun. It's easy. It's nice. It's a nice little game that we can all play as a community. Somebody pointed out today, the best part about it is that we're all playing the same word together. So it's just, there's a bit of a community aspect to it, which is nice. I'm glad that you're joining the wonderful world of Wordle. I think it's a fun little thing that is now in the space of time that we are all in. Yeah, it'll probably be dead by the time that uh, this episode comes out. Ah. It'll be like, Wordle, what is that? (laughs) January? Ugh. Get with the times, old man. Or anybody listening to us, like, in the future, like, what's Wordle? Oh, is that <laughs> that phase that lasted, like, two seconds back in the beginning of 2022? Moving on, moving on. Let's go ahead and get into this episode. And the only way we can do that is with a two-sentence replay from last episode. Excelsior is on the scene to get the runaways to give up their heroic ways by having a conversation with them. So Chase opens up the discourse by pushing the recently discovered lasers button on the leapfrog, and the runaways run away from this failed diplomacy check. Shortly thereafter, Excelsior catches up with them and Darkhawk repays the lasers favor by shooting them out of the sky so that they can crash into a movie set, and then the runaways proceed to get the sand kicked out of their lot until Excelsior infighting lets the runaways run away again with their kidnap victim, Victor, whose mysterious father gets called about his kidnapping in the last panel of the issue. Now that the lasers, the leapfrog has lasers, and Chase's using them was the best thing in the world! Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Jeff, what is the scariest thing in the world? Children. Yes, yes, that can work for this. But that, that wasn't exactly what I was thinking of. I was thinking that there is something that's very, very scary. And I decided mm-hmm. to give you a beer that is that is something extremely scary. This is the scariest thing you could possibly imagine. Gosh, if it's Psycho Killers, it's going to be hilarious. It is... Ah, party of Clowns! Why would I choose something called the Party of Clowns for this issue? Because it's terrifying. It's the scariest thing I could think of. <laughs> the only way it could be worse is if you said a colony of clowns. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every team is a party of clowns in Runaways. There's, just, there's, there's a party of clowns here. We, we've got a party of people who are clowning around in, in the old lair of the Pride. you got a party of clowns that are pretending they're not a team when they're actually a superhero <laughs> yeah. team. you got a party yeah. of clowns that the teens in the lair are looking at as they're looking through the rogues gallery of villains. So mm-hmm. I just thought, there's a whole bunch of clowns here and they're all having a party. <laughs> this is a great can too. It's it's got I I approached it from the side where it's just got party balloons, just colorful balloons floating in the air, little helium balloons. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then you turn the can, and boop. In balloon art lettering, it says "Party of Clowns," and then there's a big balloon that says "Hazy IPA," and then there's a whole bunch of Crux Brewing Dead Eye Clown Heads <laughs> down at the bottom, which is honestly kind of terrifying. Yep, yep. Great. Crux Fermentation Project is its story mm-hmm. time. So I'm interested in this. We've we've had Crux before. Yeah. We've been... Uh, we've been to Crux. To their brewery. Yeah, we've been, yeah, we've been to Crux. We had lunch there. And then uh, got a little food poisoning or something. Something was, like that. Uh, I, I couldn't tell. The, I couldn't tell. Miserable. You got the food poisoning. I couldn't tell any food poisoning from yeah. the insane amount of beer I had that day at one of the... That was the first of four breweries, I think, we went to that day. Yeah, and then getting whiskey <laughs> flights and stuff. Oh, oh that was oof. miserable for me because I was excited about having... Having a, you know, Yumi and our friend Chris getting away to Bend area. And we and still had fun. Out of a minimum. Oh, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> but it was just like, hey, let's have whiskey. And I'm like, my tummy make bad sound noise. Go way by now. Come back soon. Oy. Well, welcome yeah. to the show. We invite you to enjoy this hazy IPA fresh from the big top featuring Citra Cascade and a hop so new it doesn't even have a name yet sporting a giant mm. citrusy nose and packed tighter than a clown car with hoppy goodness this ridiculously juicy hazy IPA is a party worth the price of admission and this is 6.9% ABV 30 IBU we have a hazy IPA here it smells like a hazy IPA oh yeah it's very heavy on that citrus oh yep. wow it's it's just a clown car full of citrus yeah that's that smells good though no, it smells pleasant. Yeah, you're getting the hop smell in there, but it's not bad. Very light orangish color with a little bit of a head on it. 
Yeah, I've got about an inch of foam on the top of mine, nice and mm -hmm. bubbly as IPAs are. It's got that that beautiful yellow golden kind of lemon juicy kind of coloration mm -hmm. to it. Smells nice with that citra hop in there and that ooh mysterious unnamed hop. Adds a little bit of international man of mystery to it. So I don't know what we're getting into, but it smells really nice. Well, it's it tastes pretty good too. Mm. It's very sharp. It's that citra. Yeah. It's good though. It's got a very pleasant aftertaste. I think it's a yeah. really strong right up front, kind of a bit like a knife coming through with the citrus taste coming through. But then it smooths out, not getting a lot of the hops in there, but getting a lot of good taste of the different juiciness. It's got big lemon notes mm, to it. Mm -hmm. It's the lemony. Yep. So it, and it's not like lemon cleaner no. kind of flavoring that goes with it. It's just like, oh yeah, that's a really nice bit of lemon yeah. in there. It's like having your lemon water yeah. kind of thing. It's very easy on the palate. It's got that refreshing lemon water kind of aftertaste for yeah. it. So it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's crazy hoppy either. I'm getting a little bit of hop now. This is really easy. This is pleasant. Yeah, not too bad. And once again, that is Party of Clowns by Crux Formation Project. 6.9% ABV and 30 IBU. I think we should get into the Party of Clowns myself. I think we should as well. And the only way we do that is if, honk honk, you go ahead and read the opening credits if you please. Runaways, issue number four, July 2005. True Believers, chapter four. Credits, writer, Brian K. Vaughn, penciler, Adrian Alfona, inker, Craig Young, letterer, VC's Randy Gentile, colorist, Christina Strain, production, Jacob Chabot, associate editor, Mackenzie Cadenhead, editor, C.B. Sabolsky, editor-in-chief, Joe Casada, publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring The Runaways, Nico Minoru, Carolina Dean, Molly Hayes, Chase Stein, Gertrude Yorks, and Old Lace. And guest starring Excelsior, Julie Power, Chris Powell, Phil Urich, Johnny Gallo, Mickey Musashi, and Jono Starsmore. Also, Victor Mancha. It is a wonderful, beautiful night and the stars are out in LA, which should be newsworthy. But instead of talking about a serene starscape, we will focus on the invisible ship flying in the air. How can we do that? You just said it was invisible. It's comic book invisible, so just roll with it. I thought you said it was flying. Moving on. The serene scene is interrupted by a cell phone ringing, which is just the kind of thing that annoys everyone. Am I right? Well, yeah, especially since the phone ringing belongs to the kidnapped member of the crew. Vic really wants to answer his phone to let his mommy know that he's okay. You know, apart from the, like, kidnapping and all. Gert ain't having none of that. She snatches the phone and tells him he will not get it back until he admits that his family is evil. <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> you think that's bad? Molly then disses his ringtone. Well, that is a step too far for Victor. Kidnap him? Okay. Tell him that he is the offspring of a villain? Fine. Kick him in the chin? Sure. Mock his ringtone? It is time to throw down. Wow. Okay, well, Victor is really passionate about Rick Jones, and the ringtone that he has is one of Rick Jones's songs. In fact, Vic thinks that the Runaways need to brush up on the awesomeness of the man, the myth, the perpetual sidekick Rick Jones by reading his book, Sidekick, which Victor then displays to them because he has a copy in his pocket. What the heck is this? Some kind of paid promotional ad? I mean, we already did the unpaid advert for Psychonauts. Couldn't they get Skechers to kick in a few bucks or something? Yeah, it's kind of weird. But the continuing argument over the level of evil that is running through Victor's blood is interrupted by Chase. Well, being Chase. Yeah. He announces to everyone that they should blindfold their prisoner because they are almost to the tar pits. Wait, so they should blindfold the prisoner now so that he does not know where they are going? Chase wants to do this after he just said where they were going. I did say that this is a party of clowns, right? And the irony is totally lost on the blonde meathead. In fact, as Victor becomes interested in where they are going, Chase provides more details about how they sneak into the pits to get into one of their evil parents' hidden lairs. Yep, they better slap a blindfold on Victor so that he doesn't figure out anything about his kidnappers. Like how dumb they are. Also, it's really not so much sneaking in as it's slamming the frog into the tar pits underneath the cover of night. Subtlety. Your codename is Runaways. 
Meanwhile, at the LA Times... Home of the still-fighting teammates. The damaged and annoyed not-team of not-teammates lands on the roof of the paper where Phil Urich is waiting for them. And I would like to point out that Chamber is being carried by Darkhawk, something he did not want to happen in the previous issue. Noted. Phil wants to know what happened. He could have read about it over the wire, but he stopped after seeing the words abduction and major property damage. Not a stellar performance for the not-team. Ricochet takes the lead on the retelling of the story and underlines the fact that it was really thanks to Darkhawk's nervous breakdown that the runaways ran away and that a hostage was taken. Do you know what is probably not a good idea? Honestly pointing out the failings of an emotionally unstable superpower colleague after a botched high-stress situation. Do you got that, you idiot? Huh. You think that said emotionally unstable, Rick, superpowered colleague will snap again or something? Possibly. I surely do, and that is exactly what happens. Darkhog grabs Ricochet by the throat, demanding to know how many more times he is going to have to apologize for his recent past exact behavior, but Lightspeed intervenes and pulls the disc tosser to safety. Darkhawk then insults Julie, and then insults everyone else. This guy just keeps digging the hole. He is Darkhawk, and he's digging a hole. Diggy, diggy hole. Diggy, diggy hole. Meanwhile, Julie and Johnny are bonding over their love of the Lord of the Rings, seeing as how Darkhawk has gone all one ring and all. Geeks gotta represent, even in the middle of a not-team fight. Turbo finally convinces Chris to power off the Darkhawk suit. You see, Chris wears this gem which, when activated, causes the power suit to surround him. Chris admits that when he was younger, he was able to handle the Darkhawk armor. But now, the older that he gets, it feels like the armor is controlling him. Fantastic! That is what I want my hero to be saying. But at least he recognizes that he is the problem, and he needs to remove himself from the not-team. Phil does not want to hear this. He wants the not-team to stick together and get them the money. The Fat Stacks, the Dosh, the Benjamins, the Bills, the Bankroll, the Big Bucks. Uh, you know, so that they can help kids and stuff or whatever. We should point out that Phil isn't the only one not putting his life or sanity on the line because his super suit is wrecked. Chamber points out that the entire not-team sucks even more than it did before, what with Turbo's armor being partially wrecked, Darkhawk questioning his mental stability, and uh, whatever Julie and Johnny bring to the team. I would like to point out that Ricochet was the most effective not-team member in the last fight, and Julie was actually talking to her opponent instead of just needlessly fighting. All this while Chamber got his fiery face handed to him by a 13-year-old. So... Glass houses and rocks, my dude. This not-team bonding moment is interrupted by another call from this mysterious benefactor who pushes Uric and the not-team to keep moving forward. Meanwhile in the tar pit... Home of the fighting hydrocarbons. Now that they have Vic in their now-not-so-secret lair, the runaways are treating him like a weird hostage slash first date slash special guest. They make polite chit-chat, talk about their evil parents, and then zap him with some magic. Insulation! And what in the great wide world of polyethylene is that supposed to do? Well, I think Nico wanted to neutralize Sparky's electrical powers, so she insulated him. That should buy them some time to unravel his past, figure out who Daddy Dearest is, and then move on to future plans, which is... I don't know, murder him or something? The third step is pretty unclear. At the very least, the incantation should hold long enough for them to hopefully do more talking and a little less punching. I have to say that I find Vic to be an amazingly trustworthy soul. We can add magic test experiment to the things that have happened to him in the past three hours. And he seems to really think that these other kids are all that and a bag of chips. Maybe, but how are they going to prove that his dad is evil? By playing the best game in the whole world. Who's your daddy? Hey there, Vic. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? <laughs> That's not a game of who's your daddy. That's a song by the zombies. Meanwhile, at the Mancha home... Home of the fighting answering machines. Vic's mom is still calling her son's phone, begging him to call her back. She's also admitting that she did something. Something about making a deal with the devil. And, speaking of which... Someone has entered her house. We assume the unseen person is Vic's father, who she called last episode. As she falls to the floor and apologizes, she is struck with some kind of electrical blast. Kras, ciao. 
What a fantastic happy note to end this page on. Back in the lair, we find the kids sitting in some type of planetarium-style room that has a 3D projector. While Chase eats popcorn, Old Lace stretches out across a row of chairs, and the rest sit and watch as Nico tries to operate the controls to show a rotating list of bad guys, starting with... The Kingpin, a.k.a. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, half right. This version is not played by an actor, but... He is mocked for his size and weight by our dear, dear simple boy, Jace. While this is all well and good, well, it's actually not either, Vic points out that this is pointless. Even if one of these dudes was his dad, he never met him and was not raised by him. Meh. Let's move on and look at Electro. I mean, he has electricity powers, and so does Vic. S sort of. Plus, how cool would it be if your dad was Jamie Fox? This is going to be a bit isn't it? I can feel a bit coming on. Gert is doubtful about this two-bit hood being a real master of evil. This brings up the point that it may not even be a currently known villain. Heck, it might even be a current hero that makes a heel turn in the future. Let's just stick to who we know for now, okay? Or at least try to. But Nico's having trouble operating the remote control for the video vault of vile villains. That is okay. Vic has recognized it as a black market universal remote from Wakanda. And since it came from Wakanda, I'm assuming that that means that it contains vibranium coated wires or something and can operate your toaster from 50 yards. This makes Nico think about intelligence over brawn, and they bring up the leader. Ah, the old Hulk villain with the big head. I mean, Vic does look a little bit like Tim Blake Nelson, so I can see it. Yeah. I was right. It's a bit. Gert vetoes this choice immediately, saying that Vic has brawn to back up his brains, in addition to whatever X-Factor he has that lets him swing around metal bleachers. She thinks he might be the son of that corporate bruiser that used to dress up in the bad Halloween costume. Uh, you know, old... what's his name? Uh, Norman Osborn. Oh man, I would love to see Willem Dafoe in this book. Hey, that's my bit. Carolina quickly steps on this, wondering why they're only looking at men from this planet. After all, isn't Vic's dad supposed to be the biggest bad in the universe? So Nico has Vic pull up file 31. You know, that old chestnut. The greatest threat that has ever come to the Earth. Galactus. I don't think that a cloud can get a lady pregnant, but life finds a way. No. Not that trash cloud from Rise of the Silver Surfer, but the OG, 30-foot-tall world eater. <laughs> Chase, Chase points out that if that's the case, then Vic's mom... Stop. Neither Vic nor I want you to finish that thought. In fact, Gert wants to get away from all of these crimes of fashion and move on to people that are really evil. People like Hitler, or at least a Hitler analog, like the Red Skull. And if your dad is Hugo Weaving, you are sure to get to meet Chris Evans at some point, so double win! Actually, double loss, as Vic states that his dad wasn't a Nazi. How does he know that? I mean, this is just pure speculation. And even if he was, it doesn't matter as he has never ever met the man. Also, plenty of people with crummy parents have grown up to be productive members of society, like you. Also, Ultron. That's hurtful, but also the robot, the man for any season, James Spader. A demented killing machine that created the Vision, one of the greatest heroes of all time. And one of the best actors to ever portray, Jeffrey Chaucer, Paul Bettany. Or another example, Magneto. And you can't go wrong with either Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbender as a father figure. He was the father of two Avengers, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. The exquisite and enchanting Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson. Or was that Evan Peters? I have a hard time remembering which is which. Stop saying names. Okay, I'll stop. And do you know who else is going to stop? Victor, he has had it up to here with the parade of potential paternal problem parents. Grabbing Gert, he tells everyone that if they don't do exactly what he says, that he's going to blow this chick's head off. How? He doesn't have any powers right now. What's he going to use to do that? He's going to use... Uh, the, the, the remote control. The remote control. What's that going to do to her? 
change her radio presets, delete her TiVo, subscribe her to eight premium services? Oh, no, Rick, no, he's not a villain. He says that he changed the orientation of the vibranium batteries in the remote, and that if he pushes a single button while the polarity is reversed, that it won't be pretty. <laughs> I knew there was vibranium in there somewhere. All right, I will buy that. So I'm not going to call this possible bluff because, you know, I will agree, vibranium is scary stuff. So what does Vic want? His phone. Okay. Well, that's in Gert's pocket. And now that he has it, he uses it to call his mom to tell her that he's okay and to send the cops to come and rescue him. Unfortunately for him, and probably everyone with him, someone other than his mom is on the other end of the phone. Who could it be? I'm afraid your mother's unavailable at present, my child. But perhaps you could spare a moment for your dear old father. And I repeat, who is this guy? Because Vic has no idea who this mysterious mystery is that he's talking to. No, Victor. Not Mr. Doctor. And there, holding a cell phone. Standing in a spotlight next to Vic's mother, who is gagged and tied to a chair, is Victor's father. The one. The only. Dr. Doom. Also known as Nip Tuck's very own Julie McMahon. I thought I told you to stop doing that bit. Never! Next issue, True Believers, Chapter 5. Let's all move on to the themes of this issue. Shall we? We shall. Okay. We'll go ahead and start off with the cover, like we always do. And I'm going to go ahead and say this cover has nothing to do with anything. Most of the covers really haven't had anything to do with anything. Just a showcase, kind of a painted cover of characters in the book. But this one has Chase, and he's got Gert in his arms, and he's holding her, and he's gazing in her face. And she's kind of got her arms flopped over to the side, and he's leaning in heavily for a kiss. And then there's Old Lace just kind of like hovering behind them, drooling on Chase's shoulder, which, you know, I'm glad that they're all okay with this thruple that's going on, but, you know, it's it's a kink. I'm not going to judge it. Just saying. These have had gorgeous covers. Yes. Have they had anything to do with anything? Oh, yeah. shut your face. No, of course not. It's just they look really good. Yeah. They look really, really good. They tangentially involve team members and people that are in the comic. And these are three... Uh, beings that are in this issue so yeah it, it fits it is what it is it is exactly what it is it's nice we get to see the love and our lust or what have you that uh gert and chase have for each other mm -hmm. although it's not really in this book that much <laughs> yeah, no not really it's their uh their relationship other than i think gert at one point says like my darling or something along those lines to uh, sure. chase when they're yeah. in the leapfrog i think no it's 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 good i i still like these covers i think it's good representations of the runaways mm -hmm. if not the book itself but that's okay that's all right and i'm glad that they didn't do what a lot of comic books tend to do you got a big reveal that's happening mm -hmm. and you drop that reveal in the cover of the book and you don't want that in this book you want the reveal to be in the last page because yeah it helps with the suspense. It does. It was great. It was a really good reveal. And it would have sucked if it's like featuring Doctor Doom or something in there. It would yeah. have been terrible at the beginning because even as it was going along, it was still that, that game of guessing. You know, kind of yeah. like, the well, who could it be? Could it be this? Could it be that? Huh, huh. And the entire book is set up around that premise of who is his daddy? You know, yep. he's supposed to be this big evil and everything. Let's go ahead and talk about the speculation that the kids were doing. The wild speculation because... I think Vic was right on that. I mean, Vic's interested. He's curious to know who his dad is. He always, probably always has been. But he thought his dad was just a war hero. Yeah. And now that apparently, if these kids are to be believed, he's going to become ultra evil in the future. And it's because of his own father and his own relations. Who's his dad? It could have been anybody. It could have been anybody. I think the idea that it was a hero or nobody that would make a heel term, that was the prohibitive favorite choice because yep. what are the calculations that you can make on that it's mm -hmm. a lot easier for being somebody that is not known that is going to be your father than it's going to be one of x number of supervillains. yeah they were playing the odds going okay it's the the biggest evil in the universe okay let's just go through our parents old files grasping at straws it's very much just kind of like throw a thing on the floor and see if if it draws your eye, does this yeah. make any sense? It wasn't even going. Your father is the Red Scroll. It was more. It was more along the lines of like, 
Red Skull, what do we think? Yeah, no, dumb, good idea. Uh, eh, eh, you know, is this issue was a tied into the rest of the Marvel universe sure. yeah. and just kind of go like, hey, look, here's all these other names. You know these names. You know who the Kingpin is. Yeah. You know who Galactus is. You know who this person is. It tied it into the greater universe of, of, of the MCU as a whole. So, some of these are good guesses. I think the Kingpin was a good guess. Uh, massively evil. He is, mm-hmm. a con- he is somebody who plays a long game. And what's a better long game than having a secret son? Electro, that was a fairly decent that guess. That was not because, a bad guess. Yeah, yeah because similar-ish guess. powers. Yeah, yeah. I think the leader was way off base. Way off, yeah. Way off base. Galactus way off base. Uh, uh, I like the idea behind Galactus. Let's think cosmic. Let's okay. think he has got control of power cosmic. Come on. Entire Greek myths are about a god impregnating a woman, so mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> that's you the know? entire... That's, in, that's everything about Zeus. Pretty that's literally much. the Zeus pantheon is... Uh, you know, let, let's think about it, though. Galactus wants to create a new herald, and he's had so much problems with Earth. Well, mm-hmm. let's make somebody from Earth, and I'm going to solve this problem right now. Mm-hmm. It's not far off base, and, you know, we'll go with Immaculate Conception on that one. Mm-hmm. We'll just say Power Cosmic. Sure. Ultron. Well, he, they never said Ultron as the father. They just right. re, he, that was Victor using that as an example of you can't just say that a person having a bad dad is going to make a bad kid because take Ultron, he made the Vision. Yep. Uh, he also made Jocasta. Whatever timeline you want to follow, she's a good guy, <laughs> or at least works in the corporate world. Magneto, really, really bad guy, or really good guy, mostly a bad guy, but, but also you Magneto know, but, having Magneto having another yeah. kid running around. Not far off. Not far off, because yeah. he's proven to have kids already. So, yeah. And yet, depending upon the time of the year, it's going to tell you whether or not it's going to be, you know, Wanda and Quicksilver. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> they are not his kids, but they are his... Uh, he's kind of adopted them as kids. Anyways. I'm behind on my current Marvel stuff, so by about <laughs> the last six months. <laughs> so, uh, not too bad. It's, it's a fun little setup for this, and we get the reveal that it is Doctor Doom. That was now, surprising. We talked about this last we episode. Did. And we did. I just said, listened to it. And we said, you know, hey, you don't know. You didn't know who it could be. And we even made the joke at that time, like, that, that Dr. Doom is kind of on the nose. Yeah, because the, with the name of Victor, it's kind of on the nose. But at the same time, it's very Dr. Doom on the nose. It's just like, of course, mm-hmm. Victor would name his kid Victor or the wife, the mom would be forced to name the kid Victor or something. But it asks a lot of questions. It does. Also... I have massive problems with it. I'm going to assume that it was Kid Victor was born out of a lab and an experiment and everything because Doom doesn't have powers. Yeah, he does. Doom has a massive intellect. Doom has advanced armor that he has created. He uh-huh. also has the sorcery that he has. So he's magic. There we go. The there magic, go. yes. But magic, uh, okay, depending on what kind of theory you're going in, magic is a, you know, it's kind of a inherited but also learned Sure. Uh, skill set. Victor has had no training in this at all, and he's kind of he's showing you know that they've shown that he's pretty smart and he knows things. So it's like, yeah, I can see that. But him gaining just a handful of different powers because it's like, well, my dad was a magician, so I can cut somebody else in the, in half. Let's think about this way. Victor's done some research and he's figured out that my genes mixed with her genes will create a mutant. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But there's a wide variety of things. It could have been a magic conception. Exactly. Mephisto could have gotten involved. You know? You never, never seen know. him before. He never yeah. pops up. No, never. Tim. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, there's a lot of good questions here. I think that I think that Brian K. Vaughn has done a good job of laying some real good ground soil here for a story. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad story. It's not a bad thing to play with. Especially you're dealing with kids of supervillains. Mm-hmm. They're bringing, like you said, bringing in Marvel Universe, but they're not wrecking Marvel Universe by doing this. A secret kid that's running around, this is not the weirdest thing Dr. Doom's ever been involved in. It is plausible. All this is plausible. And I think it's a good, good topic of discussion. I think it's a good, good storyline. Speaking of Victor some more, Mm -hmm. this is all up his alley because he does love superheroes and he does love supervillains. He is all in on the pop culture aspect that lives within Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe, superheroes and supervillains are known entities. They are rock stars themselves. And the idea of comic books and collectibles exists within the Marvel Universe because people make them, people like superheroes, and people buy these things. 
it's a snake eating its own tail. So it's kind of cool that he loves superheroes and it's interesting that he loves Rick Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense though, especially in that world. If people have sports figures as heroes mm-hmm. and collectibles of those and everything, and you can get your McFarlane baseball figure or whatnot, and you know, heck, look around your room just for you know fictional stuff, the multiverse where they they just happen to be all comic book characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people would be interested in them. They collect their stats, they get their autographs, they go see perf- shows and performances with just like, oh, hey, they're doing a charity event, we got to go see that or blah. Yeah, it makes sense that Victor would be into him because I think most people would be yeah. totally into him because they'd be you know they're a rock star they're sure. you know they're a reality show that flies by your house shooting flames out of their head yeah. you know it's of course people are going to be into him and I, so victor being totally down with him is not a surprise to me no and especially with the entire thing with rick jones too rick jones is yeah. a he is a rock star in the world and yeah. he is a well-known entity as being the superhero sidekick for everybody Exactly. And he'd, he'd be kind of like the mundane's idealized dream because you're just sure. like, Rick Jones is just a kid. He was he was my age when he met Dr. Bruce Banner and saw that guy turn into the Hulk and he bummed around with him for a while. He was my age when he was flying with Thor. He would, you know, it's just all these things where it's just like, that could be me. It is the... It's the person you can project yourself on. It's like, oh, man, yeah. I bet if I was in that situation, I'd be on the Avengers 2 right now. I'd sure, be hanging out with sure. Jarvis. Yeah, and you know, who wouldn't want to be like Rick Jones? I mean, not Rick Jones now if you've been reading Immortal Hulk. Yeah. But we'll move on from that. But uh, big time, he's got his own book, he's got his own talk show, and Vic just loves it all. While Vic loves everything about superheroes, we have somebody who is a little down on the superheroing right now. Mr. Mm-hmm. Darkhawk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Darkhawk is not. No. Uh, he's having a rough yeah. time. I haven't done much looking outside of this, and I think we'll probably have some time, a little bit more time with Darkhawk, and we might want to do a little bit of background digging as to how he got here. There is a bit of a change from mid-90s Darkhawk first run to where we are now, where Darkhawk is being corrupted by his armor suit. And we're getting hints yeah. of this now, and I'm interested. I want to follow where this goes. I have enough knowledge about where it all ends up and i think we are going to cover some of that because he is going to be writing out most of the rest of his recent time with excelsior and which will become the loners and we'll kind of be following him a little bit with julie so i think we're going to get see what exactly is happening with his armor and a lot of the things he's Mm -hmm. dealing with That'll be neat. I'm curious about that. It's also, I'm glad that in this, they were just saying it wasn't because he was like burnt out as being a child hero or anything, but going, things have changed. My armor, I used to control. Now it's Mm -hmm. changing me. It's controlling me. I think some of that is about his own burnout though, too, because I think he is struggling to control the armor. And I think Mm -hmm. that is a real drain on him. I believe that. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, heck, I just have a kid and I understand that just perpetual drain where I'm kind of like thinking <laughs> it's like I seem angry a lot. And I'm like, no, I'm not angry. I'm just a dad now. And I think this is a default emotion because <laughs> it just you're so taxed. You're just so burnt down. I think you should take that child shaped gem out of your chest. That might help. <laughs> that would really help. Actually, it hurts. Chris has changed from the dark hawk that you knew before. Julie's changed. <laughs> The characters that I'm familiar with all seem like they're being written a certain way to tell a certain story. Sure. And that's the biggest change is like, how did this get here? Well, the writer, Brian K. Vaughn at this stage was just like, I want the characters to be this way because of reasons. And that's great. It's, It's fine for storytelling. I think you're a little right on Julie changing. She has changed. But there are elements of Julie Power we knew that's still there. Not Lord of the Rings totally popping in was that. There's little elements there. She's not showing the intel- as much intelligence as she has in the past. It could be hidden. She may be putting on a bit mm-hmm. of a front. We're, we're not seeing that gawky kid who's coming into her own woman. We're seeing kind of the woman who's being developed now. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. a teenager, but still she's becoming a woman. I am fine with that. I like the fact that she is being the best friend to everybody. I like that aspect mm-hmm. of Julie. Julie has never been the one to really be the hater in the team, even in Power no. Pack. So... It, there is enough elements that are are good and, and still connect with who Julie is. It still seems like Julie. It just seems like it's it's a different path, Julie. Yeah. And it, who knows? Maybe it's a... Oh, man, this is ridiculous. It's like... I was like, yes, before she was a kid at 11, and now she's 15. Four years, I guess, can really change a person. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we've been talking about kids. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and talk about the youngest kid in this book, and that is not Katie Power. That is Molly Hayes. Sometimes goes by the name Bruiser. Sometimes Princess Powerful. She is the youngest kid on the team. Now, she is the team's sole mutant, meaning that both of her parents had mutant powers. She gained mutant powers. They had, they had telepathic mutant powers. She has the power of strength and invulnerability. And you see her activating the power with her eyes glowing. When you first start out, whenever she used her powers, she like became instantly sleepy, which was kind of fun. It's kind of a little kid thing. It's like, I will expanded energy. I'm out. <laughs> and then she would just pass out, go to sleep, wake up and she's ready to go again. And they have been moving her away from that. And it kind of gets the feeling that she has a more or less like a limitless power. She has had a real good history throughout. Since she was introduced in 2003, she's had a pretty good history throughout the Marvel Universe. She's been the character who has always been happy, go lucky. She doesn't really want to conform to the life she knew before. She likes this on the road adventure. Don't need school. I just need to be with my friends and my family. And she's all great with that. She's been able to kind of show up in a few different places throughout Marvel, not as used as much as Nico has, but she has shown up in a few different X-Men books. She one time got recruited to save her school. She didn't last long because she's like, hmm, nah, this isn't my thing. <laughs> that is not her thing at all, which it's kind of funny. I- I'm reading through a f- couple of things you know, online here. And in 2009, I thought this was kind of cool. In 2009, she was named the fourth out of 10 toughest females in the Marvel Universe after Rogue, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel. That's impressive. And I can see it. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. she, as far as toughest go, I can see that. Uh, yeah. She she is a bruiser. That's that's what she is. She, yeah. She's not versatile, but she is. Mm-hmm. She She's tripled down on, on a strong yes. suit. And that's strength and invulnerability. And that's, it, you can go pretty far with yeah. that. We haven't really talked too much about the Hulu television series Runaways. I've watched most of that. I I stopped watching a few of it because I wanted to get caught up on Cloak and Dagger, and then we kind of fell away from it. Mm -hmm. But I need to finish watching that series. A couple of seasons came out with that. Interesting to note that her character was reimagined as Molly Hayes Hernandez. They wanted to add a little bit more color into the team in the TV version, so they gave her Hispanic background instead of being Caucasian, which... Bravo for them. But she was portrayed by Allegra Acosta in the series. And I think she would done, she did a great job in that role. Only other thing to really talk about is that her trademark is an expansive lineup of hats, which it's just as part of <laughs> her kind of fun attitude. She's a fun character. I, I never, I have never seen the show. I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger. I haven't seen the show. I have seen trailers for both of them X number of years ago. So I know their existence, but it's, that's the entirety of my show knowledge. The show does a lot of things differently, some mm-hmm. of which is a little upsetting. But at the same time, I can still go with it because it helps move the narrative along and it makes for some interesting dynamics that happen. But I, I always found that the kids' representations of themselves were pretty good. I actually enjoyed okay. how the kids were were shown. I think they made Chase a little too intelligent. In the TV show, (laughs) I like him being a dumb blonde kid, but I think that that would get really annoying after a while in the show. That is what I want to talk about with our little runaways talk in here. Let's go ahead and move into our final thoughts. And we always start off with the gallery of greatness. What piece of art in the book needs to be pinned to the walls of our not so secret lair? Because we like to tell everybody about where it's at. (laughs) <laughs> one two three four North First Street, Portland, Oregon nine seven two one six. By the way, if you go there, we aren't going to be there. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so, which piece of art in this book do you want, Jeff? Do you have a good joke one for us? I do. I have a joke backup one, and it's on page twelve. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. And I call it the Cotton Candy Kid. And this is the bottom panel, and this is after Nico has used the Staff of One to spray Victor with insulation. And it looks like a whole bunch of cotton candy. (laughs) And it just, it made me laugh. Because he's all like thinking that they're going to kill him. He's like, no, please don't kill me yet, I want to. And then 
it's a, insulation yeah, yeah. spray foam i wouldn't eat that i'm pretty sure it's bad for you oh no that would be that terrible would be, for that you would but be it just bad for you it just made me laugh because it's this just pink cotton candy insulation foam kind of yeah. stuff and it's like that's yeah. great my backup joke one is a few pages forward from that actually many pages forward to that it's in the midst of them doing their this is your daddy and this mm, is when they mm-hmm. are talking about galactus because they've got mm-hmm. a picture of Galactus in front of them, and I call this not to scale, because Galactus yeah. <laughs> is probably about, I don't know, four or five feet taller than Niku. Well, if even that, he looks like he's about seven feet yeah, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not to scale, not to scale. Yeah, maybe eight with a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Holding an I, I think Scale's all yeah, wonky. I think it would be a lot funnier if they just showed his toenail. It's like Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what's this? Some sort of big disc? That's his toe. That's his toe. That's his toenail. My, my dad is not a toenail. toenail. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have another joke one for me? My top joke one is on page 22, and I call it One False Move and I'll Erase Your TiVo. <laughs> yeah, and this is when uh, Victor has the uh, remote control aimed at Gert's head because that's ridiculous. It's like threatening somebody with a remote control. Come on. <laughs> you know he's bluffing. It doesn't matter what kind of batteries are in there if you reverse the polarity. Who cares? It's not going to do anything, but that's... It just cracks me up because he's like, you guys think I'm a super villain with a bad dad and I'm going to kill everybody? Yeah, you'll stand down with, with a wave of a remote control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fine and all, but I think that my joke is much better. And my joke is on the page where they are slamming down into the tar pit and I'm saying... That's what killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> that's on page six, and I know that because I called it Nobody Cares About History, and that's my backup top See, one. See, I don't think it's I think it's good art, but I think it's funnier than than great art because I mean okay. I mean they're sitting there, they're crashing in here, crashing in there hard where it's causing this wave to come up, and it's like, first of all, not subtle. <laughs> not subtle at all. And you think that this would cause some kind of notice, you know, somewhere, somehow. They've got to have cameras on that. They've got something. Yeah, it's got to be something. It's like, because it is like in the middle of downtown. Right, right, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't matter that nobody goes to the museum. There's people around. Right. But then again, uh, Chase even says, it's like, well, normally we're invisible and who cares? Nobody looks right. this way. So it's... It works. It works. Since we're talking about that one, let me go ahead and go to my backup good art because this kind of is after they come into the cave, after they've crashed through the tar pit, and it's the, this place is huge, and it's the frog sitting in the lair. It's a new place in the lair, or it's a different view because we're seeing just more of the lair, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's this how cool is it to live where they live? And we should also point yeah. out too here that the frog is immaculately clean because it is because they live they live inside the same world that Arnold Schwarzenegger lives in in the Last Action Hero, where he goes into the tar pit <laughs> and he can just wipe it off because yeah. it doesn't stick to him. Why would, Why would it? it? Yeah, it, that one is on page eleven, and I know that is because it is my top piece of art and i call it i still love me a good lair and that is a great lair you photo. mean your backup good art no it's my top one. Oh, my backup one was the the frog slamming into the tarpit okay. which i called nobody cares about history and yeah yep, there you no, go I, I i like it i think this is pretty good i was also thinking too we're gonna throw another movie in on here we could also say it's that crisco shine that chevy chase puts on his sled in christmas vacation <laughs> i think this <laughs> thing is covered with that because it just the tar just runs right off. Anyways, my top best art is the last page because the last page is pretty oh, cool. Doom. It's Doom. Yeah, it's pretty great. Talking on a cell phone, looking down at the tied up mom, and the, he is in the cave of nothing. There is nothing around in the shadows, and it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. It does, yeah. It's a cobblestone floor with a spotlight and then darkness surrounding. Yes, 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 yes. It, it is a good one. It is a nice piece of art. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Rubber and Glue moments. What was the best or most childish insult in this book? Jeff, let me tell you something, man. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. You, Jeff. You, sir. You've got really bad breath. Not unlike, Ooh. not unlike Captain America. Yeah, as, yeah, as, I'm, as, I'm, as told mm. by Molly in this book oh, yeah. because she met Captain America <laughs> once and he made us go into foster care after our parents got blown up trying to destroy the world and he had 
Really bad breath. Really bad breath. How let dare me tell you. you. How let me tell you. Rubber you. glue dissing on Captain America. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's not the smell of bad breath. That's the smell of freedom, little girl. <laughs> what do you have, sir? What is your funny backup rubber and glue? My funny backup rubber and glue is on page ten, and this is after uh, Excelsior, the Knot team, goes back and is talking to Phil, and Chambers explaining what's going on. It's like, and what are we supposed to do about it, Yurik? Chrome Dome here has gone mental. Turbo's at 50% now that her wrist things got blown to heck. You're still a glorified dispatcher. And don't even get me started on Rainbow Bright and Mr. Discus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just dishing on everybody. This was my top one here. And, and uh, he is <laughs> dissing on Ricochet, Lightspeed, and everybody else. I, I He's yeah. getting everybody in one fell swoop. I love it. <laughs> everybody that was a lot more useful uh, <laughs> than in their not team fight. <laughs> yeah. What do you have for, since you, we have that same one, do you have another one for your top insult? Mm-hmm. Yep. This is uh, on page three and this is after Victor's like, hey, let me just talk to my mom on the phone. I'll tell her I'm okay. That's all we need. And, you know, Gert's like, no, you don't get to talk to your mom or anything. And it's it's all about Molly here. Molly's all, yeah, you're a villain and your ringtone is stupid. <laughs> hey. Dissing. No, you don't diss my ringtone. That's my ringtone. I chose that. I love that ringtone. <laughs> well, we need to go ahead and move on and stop making fun of people. And we need to talk about who mm-hmm. is the most popular and the most shunned. We like to identify the child who is the best and the worst in this issue. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Do we still have the worst as Darkhawk? Uh, let me check my notes. Not, uh, mm, boy, uh, you're going to be actually very surprised by who my worst one is. Mm-hmm. It's this character who is choking everybody out and is feeling like he's controlled by his armor. Uh, Jeff, uh, I think his Jeff, name is Dorkhawk. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you mean Chris. <laughs> Chris is also known as Starhawk. Yeah, yeah, Chris is Darkhawk. Yeah. yeah, it's Darkhawk. Yeah. It is Plain and simple and easy as butter going down. It I is gotta say, dark this hot. was a little bit harder. I mean, him recognizing that his suit was making him do this, that was, that was good. good. But then looking at everybody else, he still was the worst, even with that caveat oh, yeah. in there. So Even with yeah. that. He doesn't even apologize. He just says, I don't know what to say, Mickey. Armor now seems like it's controlling me. There's no apologies no. there. There's no nothing. No. So even his redemption scene is him still being a jerk. He is the worst. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, he's the bad kid in this. Yep, yep, yep. So I think we agree on that. Now, who do you have Mm -hmm. as your best? I'm going to put it out on the floor and say Vic. Okay. What's your reasoning, sir? He was a little Helsinki with everybody. Mm. But at the same time, he was still, he was standing up for himself. He was still smart. He kind of was going along with it. And he was just like, look, maybe I can kind of talk these people down and go, hey, it doesn't matter who my father is that I've never met. I've never, I was never met him. I've never been raised by him. And then also when he got full of it uh, and just done, he was just like, look, here, I've got a remote danger might ensue give me my phone i'm calling my mom i'm calling and when he calls mom he's just like mom i'm okay send the police too you know he was just like immediately just like okay my kidnappers are these people here come get me Mm -hmm. i just i liked the way that victor was he stood up for himself when they were saying hey your dad's a bad guy so that means you are he's like no it's not doesn't mean that and giving examples and backing up his he has a hypothesis and he's backing it up and it's just like yeah this kid is doing this right and he's literate. He carries around a book with him. I'm pro that. He carries around Rick Jones' no, book. I, I, That's sweet. I think, I think Vic is a very valid choice. I liked him in this one. I think that he was he was very proactive with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I still went ahead and chose Nico for mine because I did yeah. like her intelligence with insulation. Yes. I liked her idea about, let's do the review of the villains. We have nothing else to go on. We have no, yep. we have no plan. So let's do this. So I think that she was thinking ahead. I think that she was being smart on some things. She also had a great moment with uh, Chase, like, oh my god, you're a moron. But, you know, (laughs) I I had to to like her. I had to like her. She was really good. I liked her a lot in this. She she is an excellent choice. She really, really is. Well, we both agree on that. Let's see if we can agree Mm -hmm. on something else. We need to look at our list of four, count them, four books that we have in our current series. Starting with Wounded Wolf, Uncanny X-Men, Volume 1. Next, we have Runaways number 3. The issue came before this. Runaways number 1 and Runaways number 2. So, Jeff, do we think that this is still going strong? We liked last issue. 
I think that this is still a talky-talky issue. This is a very talky-talky mm-hmm. issue. All this is is talky-talky yeah. head issue. Oh, one of the talking heads, the mysterious benefactor who's going to help out Excelsior, I think is going to be Norman Osborn. That doesn't matter. doesn't need to go anywhere. Just saying it. want it out here so that way I can, you know, in an issue or two, go like, I was right or <laughs> I was very wrong. It's a very talky issue. I liked the previous issue, number two, where the not teams fight better than this one but i think that this is better than the first one where uh, they beat up some construction workers and future gert comes in and says kill a boy save the world ah. yeah so i think personally real quick and easy i think this that should be the new number three but what's I your think i'm fine on? with that i think that i think the first issue is still good i just think that there is we're starting to really get into the meat of things we're starting to get these characters yes. a bit more i think that there is there's good momentum going on with this book still, so I think that it's that it remains there. I, I like last issue better. Mm-hmm. I think that this yeah. is going to be a good number three spot, so we will drop it in there for now. That's fast and easy. I'm excited for the next issue, honestly, because it's going to. They pulled up one of the curtains. Hey, it's Doom. All right, what's going on there? I'm very curious to see what that, you know, what road they're going to take with yeah, that. Yeah, I I think that you're going to like this a lot. All right, let's go ahead and rank the beer. We have been drinking Party mm-hmm. of Clowns by Crux Fermentation Project. I'm still enjoying this. This is not bad. This is a really good Party of Clowns. I like it a lot. The flavor profile hasn't no. changed. This is a great anytime beer. Yeah. It is, uh, I'm on a full tummy, and it's weird because the, the 6.7 ABV on it is, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling that. This is nice. This would be an amazing summertime beer, but it goes down... It's good for anything. It's really, it's wet on the tongue. It doesn't pucker you up mm. with the tartness or the sour. You don't get that, ah, hops kind of thing. It is just, it's flavorful. It's citrusy. It's summery. This is a warm, beautiful, shorts weather day, and you are just kicking back on the back porch, watching the day go by, sitting there with some <laughs> friends, drinking a beer. Oh, it's nice. This is a good four for me. Four, four All and right. a half. One of these two. Four or four and a half. It's what do you want? I'm gonna, no, actually, I'm going to go four and a half. This is fantastic. Wow. I really like it. An this. IPA that he has given a four and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I do like this. I am going to just give it a four. I like it a lot. I do enjoy this a lot. I'm not willing to drop it into four and a half. This does not have a lot of hops that are hitting me. It is very nice, very pleasant to drink, getting a lot of that good citrus hit in there. It's a nice beer. I think you said it all right there. Four for me, four and a half from Jeff. Very good scores for this beer. <sighs> On that note, I finished mine. I just finished pouring it into my mug and tipping it back into my face. <laughs> uh, so I have nothing left in me to give. But you know who does? Rick and his daughter, Carrie, talking about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. Are you ready to talk about Runaways? Sure. Okay. Let's talk about Runaways. <laughs> You're just saying it with this... Funny voice? Yeah. I'm a pretty funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> there are some very serious people, and not really funny people in this book that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Excelsior, or you want to talk about the Runaways first? Maybe the Runaways? Actually, Excelsior. Okay, let's talk about Excelsior. What do we really see about with them in this book? In the series so far? Well, no, just in this book right now. Uh, okay. What What are they doing in this book? They're talking about um, little battles that they had and how they got their butts kicked. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. They did not do well, did they? Nope. Whose fault is it? Darkhawk. Why is it his fault? Because he technically started attacking one of their own. He, he kind of attacked everybody. He wasn't yeah. controlling himself, was he? Yeah. What does he blame it on? The armor. Yeah, he says it's the armor's fault. He can't control it anymore, right? Is it kind of like that ebony blade where it's like cursed or something? Something like that. I, I really don't know. I have to remind myself of what's going on with Darkhawk. We're going to be reading a lot of issues with him in it. So we'll probably see what's happening with him and why he's acting like this. Okay. It may not be in the Runaways series, but we'll be, we'll be following his progress. Okay. His progress or his um, non-progress? We'll have to see. <laughs> How about the rest of the team? The rest of the team seems to be kind of getting along, right? Yeah, Julie helped J- Ricochet because um, Darkhawk was, like, choking him. Right. 
And they were getting along, weren't they? Julie and yeah. Ricochet? They were talking about Lord of the Rings. That's right. They were talking about the one ring to rule them all. I haven't shown you the Lord of the Rings movies. No. You have read The Hobbit with Mommy, right? Mommy read it to me, but yeah. Yeah. So you've got a little introduction, but you haven't seen all of Lord of the Rings, so. No. No. Let's talk about the Runaways. What are the Runaways doing in this issue? Well, they're looking for who Victor's father was. Right. They're trying to figure it out, right? Right. And Victor doesn't really know his dad. Yeah, he thinks his dad is dead, so. Right. And he doesn't think his dad's a villain. Nope. They go through and talk about a lot of the different villains, right? Like Kingpin, that one guy called the leader. The leader, right? Electro was in there. Yeah, Electro. Galactus. Oh, yes, Galactus. <laughs> Who could forget about Galactus? And there's interesting theories they have with all of these people, right? Right. But who ends up being Victor's father? Dr. Doom. Right, Dr. Doom. Do you like Dr. Doom? Um, not really. You can but... say yes, it's okay. Everybody likes Dr. Doom. He's kind of that cool evil, right? I suppose so. <laughs> you don't want to upset Dr. Doom, do you? No. No, things are going to go bad for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Victor's father being Dr. Doom? Kind of an interesting plot twist? Yeah. Did you see that coming? No. Okay. A little surprised? Yeah. Are you still enjoying the series so far? Yes. Why? I like seeing super-powered kids. <laughs> there we go. That's a good reason. You can empathize with them more, correct? Right. I mean, they're a little older than you. Maybe not Molly, but... It gets into the fantasy of you wishing you were have powers, right? Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this issue? The cover's really dramatic. <laughs> Do you like the cover? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're not into the kissing stuff yet, the romance stuff. Eh, I'm fine with kissing. It's just not the, my favorite thing. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm glad about that. <laughs> okay, I can handle pe seeing people doing it. It's just it's not what I love seeing, really. <laughs> okay. Once again, I'm glad about that. Yeah. All right. That's all I got to really ask you. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Ah, thank you so much, Rick and Carrie. Carrie, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And now we have shout-out time. We like to recognize the listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review, and this is for episode 98, where we covered Runaways, volume two, number one, the start of our Runaways journey. Ah! Starting with El Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Christian Conkle. Chris Lydon. Chris Reeves. Clinton Robinson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Craig McNichol. Cullen Stapleton and his podcast, The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Gary Key. Hoover Jeremiah and his excellent podcast, Four Million Years Later. Joey Burdick. Keith Baker. Lemony USA. Mal. New Warriors Talk. Nicole Chung. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price and his podcast, the Outcasters. Waffles and his amazing podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And he says, I certainly won't be running away from this episode. Oh, Waffles. We uh, really, we, yeah, I get what you did there. We saw it. We, we saw see it. it. We, we see, see it. we see you, Waffles. We see you. Stop being so clever. You're making us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> we like to thank those listeners who give us money to talk about these books. And these are our Patreon supporters. So, Adorably Astonishing and Amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully Cheeking and Charming Char Logan. Challenging Jeezy and Chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and Devastatingly Delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically Dangerous and Devious Doug Jones. Exciting, Energetic, and Entertaining Edward Verrochi. Jesting, Joking, and Jovial Jeff Polier. Just Jealous and Jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, Mighty, and Meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. 
Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and monthly Monday movie muck about my movie show on the Longbox Crusade podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Represent is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon with one glass of water. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Psychedelic Crater. All music is by Kevin McLeod at acoptic.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Rated teen. Cartoon violence. Crude. Kras. Ciao. The damaged and annoyed not-team of not-teammates lands on the roof of the paper where Phil Urich is waiting for them. I would like to point out the chamber is being carried by Doc. Man, scrapping all of it, starting over. Kras, ciao. And embezzlement. (laughs) (laughs) And a BOGO deal at Baja Fresh. And purple, a great mattress for a great price. I don't know. (laughs) Funny, thy name is not me. Kras, ciao. <laughs> I surely do. I will. <laughs> Says Rick. Kras, ciao. And if your dad is Hugo Weaving, you are sure to meet Chris Evans at some point. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Biological death. Blah.